So the Russians are like, we didn't do it, but if we wanted to, we certainly could. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's almost as good as your Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is a marketing and the F is well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, editor of Rockstar CMO, your hit of marketing street knowledge that you can find at rockstarcmo.com and at Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn and Twitter. And this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with friends, marketers, writers and CMOs I've met through my career leading marketing teams and consulting for B2B companies. This episode was recorded on Friday the 12th of February and I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. It's Valentine's weekend and this week... I'm again joined by Rockstar CMO advisor Jeff Clark, and we discuss if a marketing trend or technique is a marketing true love in our weekly one-hit wonder or Wonderwall. Inspired by a tweet that I'd hearted by a friend of the show, Dennis Shaw, Kathy McKnight joins me for a discussion about headless, the latest buzzword that the MarTech world seems to be crushing on. And finally romance continues as I join Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO bar for a chat about the channels we should choose for posting our customer love letters. I think that's enough of that. Happy Valentine's. Let's get started, shall we? On to our first segment. We marketers love to be down with the cool kids dancing to the latest sound, but will that tune stand the test of time? Each week, my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO advisor and former Serious Decisions Forrester Research Director, joins me in deciding if that marketing tune, topic or technique or trend that everyone is talking about is a one-hit wonder or wonder wall. Let's find out what's hot or not this week. Welcome back, Jeff Clark to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, and thanks for uh, having me back. I can't believe you asked me back. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good thing. I mean, we are we do we are. I mean, we are supposed to be doing um, one hit wonder or wonderful. When I remember what we're doing, and the last two weeks we've somewhat broken that. But I think this week we're back to one hit wonder or wonderful, cool. and um, we are going to pluck a topic we kind of sort of touched on while we were talking about personalization last week, and that is. Artificial intelligence. What say you, Mr. AI. Clark? Is what? It, what is this? A is this a one hit well, wonder or we, wonder? We, we, we could save our judgment till the end. Okay. How's that? How's that, that? sounds perfect. Um, um, one of the things that 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 I um, I always remember about AI is that in my my early days of being interested in computers. Um, uh, I used to go to the Boston Computer Society. It, it, it was a, it was actually a, a region-wide organization. They had people that would get together on a regular basis to talk about different topics in person. Remember those getting in-person oh, meetings? And, so and so there were a couple sessions about artificial intelligence. And this was mm. back in the early eighties. And, um, and so, you know, I just had this sense that this AI thing was like, around the corner actually i had a, a colleague that worked at um uh uh well the product is now part of nuance but it was mm -hmm. um dragon natural language oh um, yeah yeah interpret you know interpret in and, yeah. and 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 that at the time i think was looked at as being like an early application of, of oh, yeah. ai actually i think it's still you could consider that so anyway so it seems like you know decades have passed you know, we've gone through various genres of music, you know, mm -hmm. we've been through the new wave, new wave and the new <laughs> age and the, you know, uh, and hip hop and all that. And so yeah. AI is, is like all a buzz. Um, yeah. and, uh, so, I mean, it's interesting how long that some of these, these technologies and concepts take. Cause I actually, when I was looking at it, I think some of the original 
writing about AI was back in the 1950s. So it's been developing for for a long time. Mm -hmm. So this may be hard just if we just think of the term itself, it it may be hard to like say this is a one hit wonder. But I think when we we try to think about, okay, applied to marketing. Yeah. uh, What's it doing for us? What's the, you know, what's its purpose? you know, and is it something, you know, because I think in a lot of marketing conferences, certainly some that I've been and spoken at, <laughs> AI is, <laughs> is, is, a, is like a hot topic. Yeah. Well, uh, every vendor is talking about it, right? You, every, mean, vendor every vendor is talking, is talking, talking about, about it. it. Yeah. And that is, um, and, but I think, you, you know, when we were talking about this subject, you, you had brought up the AI versus rules engines. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I would just be interested in your perspective as to why, why would you look at those two as a combination? And then we can maybe spin off into what some mm. of the applications of I th- are. I think it's just because I was being really cynical when we talk about personalization and artificial intelligence, um, because uh, people did start to describe per- the per- their personalization as artificially intelligent when really it was just a rules engine and it was based on a number yeah. of factors and yep. how um, and really, they were relying on the human to develop really good rules to give the impression of artificial intelligence, if we put yeah, it like yeah. that. It wasn't machine learning. It was people learning and applying it to, to, to rules engines. So that was really my my take when we were talking about personalization was, was a lot of it wasn't, you know, when you pulled back the curtain for The Wizard of Oz, it wasn't that much magic going on at all. And as we were discussing, it was incredibly hard to implement. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. so that was that was really my very cynical view about the way that artificial intelligence used to be described. Now, you're closer to these the new market trends than I am and and how much of this is still bullshit basically and how much is <laughs> yeah. real. So so what is I mean well, I know that now we've got the big data set so you can do the machine learning and the artificial yeah. intelligence is a little better but what what's what's your take well, on those things? Well, I mean a couple of things. One is the interesting thing is that AI um You'll it'll be applied as a as a concept to something like natural language learning and processing, and then you realize that once that technology is fairly well, um, I guess stable or mature, mm-hmm. then they start they stop talking about it in kind of context of artificial intelligence. It's kind of like mm-hmm. you know artificial mm-hmm. intelligence is always at the the cutting edge of the development of these technologies, mm-hmm. and and certainly from a marketing perspective, you know, how AI is being used in marketing. I mean, most marketers, if they sit down and say, you know, do I have the big data set? Do I have, um, you know, the ability to leverage artificial intelligence, machine Mm. learning? Um, They're they're like, oh, gosh, I'm not sure. I don't even, I don't have the skills or the, you know, Mm. the, the bandwidth to even think about how to do that. But if you look, and you mentioned this, it's like a lot of the vendors talk about use of AI. Well, in reality, a lot of the technologies out there have been doing a good job of infusing AI into their products to do things mm-hmm. that marketers have not done a very good job at. I mean, one of the mm-hmm. first ones I remember is for digital asset management systems. You know, what's, what's one of the big challenges is that nobody tags content yeah. that gets loaded yeah. into a damn properly yeah. well yeah. so by under by reading tags reading text uh looking at images um seeing patterns understanding who's loading who's using mm-hmm. assets now digital asset management systems use ai to actually do the tagging so yeah. that job that was um you know i remember you know in trying to set up you know, content management yeah. system and get everything yeah. properly yeah. tagged. It's just like, there. oh my god, yeah. it's just a, it's a pain in the yeah. neck. And there's, yeah. there are lots of other examples. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we were talking about it in relative to personalization. Talk about yeah. it in relative tent monitoring. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just all these examples where AI is used to, you know, uh, you know. Look at that whole data set, look for patterns, yeah. trying to make sense yeah. out of the patterns and then deliver you information that, that you can use. One of the best examples um, that that I can think of, which is, a, you know, we don't like to start promoting products or vendors on this, but it's just one example, People AI, mm-hmm. which um, 
I mean, there's a number of applications of what their technology does, but one of the key things is is it solves the challenge of, you know, if I've got a CRM system and I got a web content mm-hmm. management system, got a marketing mm-hmm. automation platform, I got all these things that are churning, creating data about interactions and activities with customers and prospects. Yeah. How can I pull information together to say, oh, here's the num- here's the people that should be attached to an opportunity. Oh, here's yeah. all the activities that we've engaged them in. Here's what buying centers they're in in certain mm-hmm. companies because it's actually learning from all the engagement and the interactions oh, wow. to say, yeah. oh, this person or you know the CIO is involved in these projects and they're involved in these other projects because mm-hmm. we see we see the type of engagement activity both within our systems and then if we're if we're mm-hmm. you know, pulling information from like intent monitoring, you know, yeah. in external systems. So I mean that's that to me. It's one of the other interesting, you know, issues about AI is that people always think about artificial intelligence as replacing human mm-hmm. uh, work, and the cases we just mentioned, or I just mentioned, are, are are actually areas where nobody's done the work, nobody can yeah. do the work, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. The, the, just the volume of yeah, data yeah. and the amount of you know metal processing we'd have to do. Yeah. To, to make those connections is uh, is is it's just kind of beyond what you could do unless you just hired you know thousands of people. Right. And um, you know, I've so got this... two questions on that. Then okay. My first question is what I quite, what what I found interesting at the beginning of what you were saying there was it was almost like you were saying the 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 if the the vendors that really do do AI don't need to talk about AI because it's so implied that we're actually moving beyond we're po- we're we're moving into a post describe everything as AI thing you know like yeah. no, like a lot of vendors don't describe themselves as having a cloud offering they just simply are SaaS products you know like like yeah. we used to do and 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 it's is it do you, so do you think that's happening as well and um, from that perspective but also when you describe this idea that we're doing this thing that people themselves can't do, does that mean that we're driving down the cost of doing some of these marketing activities and therefore we start doing the sorts of things that everybody hates, you know, like, because I can now send out a billion emails. I can now do remarketing and retargeting is, is, (laughs) is AI being used for bad in that respect? Well, it could, it it always could be used for bad. (laughs) So, (laughs) so on your first, your first point, um, is, is that, um, and then the, 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 about being used to bad, we got to come, come back to that because that's absolutely, you know, potentially a problem. So the, um, the point about, you know, it it does AI just get baked into things and therefore we kind of forget about it. And, and I think that, Certainly, as I saw the evolution of um, digital asset management technologies that over the years I was covering, it was kind of like, oh, we were using AI for doing automated tagging. And then you go, you know, a year or so, and all of a sudden, well, AI for automated tagging is is de rigueur because yeah. everybody's yeah. doing it. But, <laughs> yeah. but but then, you know, who the, the leaders in the market, you know, now what are they using AI for? Um, yeah. And that's um, – so it is – it is a uh, to an extent. It's about you know again pushing the envelope and understanding yeah. you know wh- wh- where do we need to do the learning based on the, the the data sets we have available to us. Yeah. So this the second point about um, doing bad things or or <laughs> or enabling marketers to do I don't yeah. know uh, it, it just the way it changes work is that you do have to think about the fact that that. Um, uh, I mean, there are things that AI does really well in terms of looking at large data sets, sensing things, mm-hmm. <clears throat> putting patterns together, and doing some amount of thinking. But it really does take the human element to yeah. understand how to employ that. And um, so, uh, you know, like I brought up the example of looking at all the interactions or engagement with a you know a particular individual or a company. Mm-hmm. And then setting up, uh, and certainly with cases like sales acceleration platforms, you know, you can, you can have this kind of automated, uh, interactions where it's just going to send texts or, or emails, uh, you know, because it says, oh, it's time to send a reminder to somebody. And, yeah. Yeah. and, and so you do need to, um, 
have governance because you know you don't want to violate GDPR laws. You uh, mm. you, you don't you don't want to harass the customer. Mm. You know the issue of retargeting, uh, which we may talk about at some future point, is you know where it's like every time I go to a website that has nothing yeah. to do with yeah some yeah, car yeah. I looked at, yeah. I see the ad again, yeah. and yeah. and and it gets to the point of. Um, I mean, harassment's not as well. Maybe I say the point of harassment because it's like, oh, I know what they're doing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and my, yeah. my wife will always say, "Why did somebody text me?" Because I was just talking to somebody who I mentioned <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. It, yeah. Is that is AI picking up my <laughs> conversation? And <laughs> yeah. um, and that and that um, that obviously gets kind of spooky and and, yeah. uh, and well, it just leads to a bad experience. So both from violating privacy laws and providing good mm. experiences, and as we were talking about personalization, trying to help the customer. You know, what what are we doing to help them in their their journeys, their research, etc. You know, you always want to be in a helpful mode. So as yeah. soon as you tip over from helpful to harassment. Yeah. It's a bad thing. Those are words to live by in terms of marketing technology. I think. I think if you're if you're just about to press the button on something and you're you're not sure whether it's useful or whether it's going to be harassing, then don't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, and and I think this this is where so as a as a as a marketer who may be listening to us and saying, hmm, yeah. well, you know, what does this how does apply to me? It's like the first step is to think about, you know, what are the use cases? Yeah. You know, as I start to understand. The technology, the, the uses, to understand yeah. the vendors and what they can provide me, like the vendors yeah. I work with, you got to you got to be really clear about what's the use case that I have for AI, and just yeah. focus on that use case and not try to like you know be pie in the sky and think of every, yeah. every possible way you could uh, apply it. Mm. Mm, that's a good point, and and that's true of of a lot of marketing technology, isn't it? If it's not, um, you don't don't just get it just because it's a shiny bauble. You should just get it if it's actually going to be of value to you. I mean, things like automatically tagging of images and all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's a given, right? But yeah. do you yeah. have enough data that you need to do fine honed artificial intelligent led um, marketing campaigns? Maybe not. So yeah, yeah, I can right. Like, and you like could and you could walk over to the sales team and say, "Oh my God, we've got this tool of you know, yeah. virtual interactions, and it yeah. saves you time." And, and you know, and then you, uh, you know, culturally, it's like, mm, no, you know, we don't do that. <laughs> I, I don't do that. Um, you know. All right. Well, clearly, those grumpy sales guys aren't going to think that this is um, this is uh, Wonderwall, or they'll they'll think it's a one hit wonder and hope you go away. What do you say, Jeff? Is it is it a one hit wonder or is it Wonderwall? I'd say it's a it's a Wonderwall. In that, yeah. I mean, it has been it's been percolating for a long time, uh, yeah. and it will continue to uh, help us kind of push the boundaries of what we can do as 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 marketers. And yeah. and and again, we need to you know like like everything else. Or like a lot of the other topics we talk about, like personalization, you just got to think about your own personal use cases, your own personal mm -hmm. applications of the technology, um, mm -hmm. your your competencies, your skills, and you know, this is something you could kind of build a little roadmap to. Yeah, you know, yeah. if 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 you want to work with sales and how to, you know, improve the way you uh, add data to opportunities and contacts and make things yeah. easy for them, then. Think about how you build that roadmap to, a, you know, something that might be two or three years out because you're going to yeah. need that time to prepare not only just for what you need to do uh, logistically and technologically, but just to prepare the people you're trying to support for what um, what's mm. possible. Mm, no, that's perfect. Perfect way to leave that. Thank you very much, Jeff. So artificial intelligence, wonder wall. And um, I look forward to what topic we're going to reach for next week. Jeff, will you be joining me? Yes. <laughs> yes. And we gotta and we gotta pick a loser next, next Yeah, week. I know, I know. We'll make a list and we'll come I up with a loser. One. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, because the one hits, the actual one hits, are, are quite fun. The, to the songs that we found the last few weeks have been quite fun. Yes. All right, Jeff, um, I'll let you get on with your day, mate, and uh, I'll speak to you next week. Cheers. Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you got to do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. There we go. Thanks, Jeff. 
If you scrape away the bullshit and hype, the real artificial intelligence is our marketing wonder wall. On to this week's guest, Kathy McKnight returns. As you may remember from our previous chat, Kathy is the VP of Strategy and Consulting and Solver of Problems at the Content Advisory and our go-to rockstar on all things content marketing technology. Our topic this week is headless. I hope you enjoy the conversation. In the world of marketing technology, there seems to be one buzzword that rules them all, headless. And last week, friend of the show, Dennis Shaw shared an article on Twitter from TechCrunch about CMS vendor Storyblock that has raised a boatload of cash with a headline about being headless. But it raised a few questions for me, and having dived into MarTech with Kathy McKnight, chief problem solver at the Content Advisory, a couple of weeks ago, who better to ask? Welcome back, Kathy. Thank you, Ian. Glad to be back. That's very nice. And how is it for you there up in freezing cold Canada? Uh, it is very cold. We have a polar <laughs> vortex coming through right now. So uh-huh. it is um, it is definitely full top to bottom woolies on if you're going outside. Yeah. I mean, when I lived in um, Connecticut, and which is my only experience I can compare when it would snow and then snow more snow on top of more snow when we had a the beast from the east or something or other come in I can't remember what it was called a snowpocalypse a few years ago yes and you just get tired of wearing boots every day don't you you just want to go out in sneakers just once well, that's the thing. In our climate, you have various stages of mm-hmm. weather gear. So I have the not so cold, you know, it's hovering yeah. around zero, maybe to minus 10 footwear and, and outerwear. <laughs> and then once it dips below minus 10, then you dig into the, the, the warmer, fuzzier boots, but then you yeah. still got to watch the upper layer. Once yeah. we hit minus 20, which is where we're at today, that is wool hat, wool scarf, the full, you know, um, yeah. Canada goose down jacket down to the knees, wow. my Ugg boots, all good. It's uh, it's a challenge. It's it's like setting yourself up for success, right? Okay, let's how what do I need to wear today to make sure I stay warm? <laughs> because you know what, the dogs don't care that it's cold out; they still want to go. Yeah, yeah. Geez. I mean, I I mean that's minus twenty centigrade Fahrenheit. I have no way of converting that to. Um, to to what we speak here in in centigrade, but uh, no, well, that is that is centigrade. That That's is centigrade. centigrade. Yes, I think I've just broken the microphone. <laughs> yeah, jeepers! Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, gosh. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, that's frigid. So, um, uh, well, uh, we better get to the topic of the day. Maybe that'll um, warm us up a little bit. Um, so, uh, you did you see the article from TechCrunch that, uh, I, that Dennis I did. mentioned? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, my astonishment, and I've I've lived this astonishment for about twenty years, is there are still CMS vendors springing up that I've never heard of and being funded. Um, and the, and I was also delighted from our last conversation when I kept having to correct myself and saying DXP instead of CMS that yes. there are people that still call them CMSs. But the highlight of it, why I asked you back on the show, is what's all this fuss about headless, Kathy? So. As we talked about, CMS is still the term to be had. And, mm-hmm. you know, what's interesting is headless CMS is not a new thing, although people keep talking about it like it was something <laughs> brand new, which it's not. And the other, con- you know, one of the other thing they confuse about it is they also talk about headless and decoupled CMSs as being the mm. same thing, which, mm-hmm. again, they are not. But we don't have to get into that topic. Oh, um, I keep saying that. I'm, yeah, I'm one no, of those no, no, bad people. Yeah, no, no, no. They're not the same, but we can, <laughs> we can talk about that later. Um, but, you know, about the fuss that you mentioned, yeah. for many organizations, headless CMSs, um, which means they just, it, it's a fancy way or maybe not so fancy way of saying they deliver content via an API that mm-hmm. doesn't require a front end or system or presentation layer, right? So it's just, it's yeah. all about the content. It's about taking yeah. the content components, the various assets, regardless of where they may live mm-hmm. um, and be able to present them in any channel that they want. So when we talk about DXPs, you know, it really is a good component to have. And we talk about the experience and we talk about the omni-channel experience, you know, mm-hmm. headless CMSs can really help organizations, particularly that have grown and have this monolithic um, mm. technology stack with multiple CMSs, multiple digital asset management systems, you know, mon- mo- multiple content repositories. And what a headless CMS can do is it can just sit on top of that as a layer on top of all those other pieces and act as an aggregator and pull right. the content out and present it as you would like it to be presented, right? So it's right. 
um, it, for some companies, it's a huge, it's a huge help because um, it helps to streamline uh, their content stack. Right. But that, I mean, that's a, I mean, hopefully I have some marketers that listen as well. So why is it relevant to, for the business side of marketing for the, for the CMOs that might be listening? Um, well, it really, it creates a con what a lot of people call it as a content hub. Yeah. Um, where all the content sits and uses an API to deliver it anywhere. Right. So marketers mm -hmm. and content teams can really focus on the content Mm -hmm. rather than be fussed about what it's going to look like in the different channels, which is really good from a content creator's perspective, right? Um, and in a content, it's a really content-centric approach, yeah. uh, which also means that companies don't have to change out their bigger pieces of their, their MarTech um, yeah. because a headless CMS lets developer use the tools that they have, whether it's yeah. a best-of-breed approach or CMS, you know, harking, or uh, sorry, a suite approach, harking yeah. back to our, our, our conversation about DXPs. Yeah to create that collective, what is a collective to make up the DXP, right? right? So it, it really, it enables companies to leverage the technology that they have in hand um, and not worry about replacing these really expensive pieces of technology. Right. Um, now, um, I was, I was going to get onto this a bit later, but you've kind of brought it up here is um, the content creators like that, right? Because they can reuse their content across all these different, um, you know, ex experience touch points. But the thing we keep coming back to, and actually Dennis mentioned it in his in his tweet, um, is it is that he says if it provides customizable content blocks and visual editing tools, is it really headless? And the problem I've seen with this, and I know that you know this is my merging of decoupled with headless, is that actually authors often think in terms of content as pages. So they like to see what the end product's going to look like. Do they get that experience with headless? Um, so like I said, decoupled and headless mm. are two <laughs> different types mm. of technology. That's not to say that a CMS can't serve both. Uh -huh. You can't use it as a headless or use it as a decoupled system. Yeah. Um, you, you absolutely can, but you know, the, a true headless CMS has none of that front end or presentation layer. Like it, yeah. it is a content bucket hub, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to, I think it's better for content creators to focus on the content, mm -hmm. right? So to think about the words, to think about the assets um, yeah. that accompany, accompany it. And now as we move into this more and more personalization driven world where you really need to be able to pick and choose the different assets that make up whatever it is that you're presenting, whether it's a campaign, yeah. whether it's a tweet, whether it's a Facebook post, whatever it is, so that it appeals to the customer. Yeah. This is a good thing because it gets them out of that baked idea of a page, right? Which is mm. so 1990 um, <laughs> yeah. into thinking about, okay, how do these different components work and how do they, how can they stand alone? But yeah. also from a reuse perspective, because we as marketers and content creators spend so much time and therefore so much money on recreating the wheel. I mean, we work with, you know, so many great organizations, but when we talk to them, okay, so, you know, your, your net new versus reuse of content, what's the ratio. Yeah. Yeah. And on a really, really good day, you know, mm -hmm. we hear 90, 10 for yeah. net new to 10% when it really should be closer to 50, 50. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't some of the challenge, um, and I, 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 I don't want to keep chucking you these challenges, but isn't some, of, <laughs> isn't some of the challenge with the separation of content from its presentation, the fact that the words on a page or in a tweet or, or in an ad are actually part of the creative, you know, the way that the, the way that a sentence flows, the way that it looks on the page is often part of the creative. Did do you lose a little bit of that? Or is, or, uh, what, what's um, your experience with, with people on that sort of thing? I don't think so. I think, you know, with regard to, I think for some, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we all, I think I said this last time, you know, everybody thinks of themselves as a writer. Everybody thinks <laughs> of themselves as a designer, right? Which we are not. This is a specialized valued skill that, you know, companies would do well to understand that yeah. hiring a writer, like somebody who actually writes versus having just somebody on your marketing 
team write copy, there's a big yeah. difference, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it does have, um, th- there is some help and there, people do want to create the, that end product and what it looks like. But as mm. I mentioned, when you do that, you're creating for a very small subset, yeah. right? As opposed to, and, and this doesn't mean that somebody's going to go out and, and somebody says, okay, you know, hey, Kathy, can you go write a piece on headless? Well, I'm going to ask where it's going to go, what final format it's it could potentially be used in, yeah. um, who the audience is. So yeah. I'm going to write to that. But if if I have a client ask me to to write an ebook that they plan on breaking up into different sections or leverage tweets, then you write it differently, right? You write different yeah. components into it. So nobody's, I don't think any company is asking their content creators to just go and write. You know, yeah. th- they know why and what it's going to be used for. So they have the context they need, even if they can't see the end product. Yeah. And I think you raised their ebooks and PDF as excellent examples. I mean, how much content do organizations have locked in PDFs with the <laughs> long lost, um, you know, InDesign file that nobody can find anymore? <laughs> they have to try and cut and paste out of these old documents when they want to refresh them. I mean, that, that, I, I guess you must see that a lot in your work, right? Oh, all the time, all the time. Yeah. And we're trying to, to get our, our clients to think more about um, thinking about contents as a bill, as you know, a, a campaign as a bill of materials. Mm-hmm. So what are the different pieces of content? What are the different assets? Be they video, be they imagery, be they text based, mm-hmm. um, call to actions, whatever it is, links, quotes, think about them in a componentized way. So that when you upload them um, or include them in your enterprise digital asset management system, which every organization should have and should be the repository, not your Mm -hmm. J drive or SharePoint or whatever, (laughs) um, personal personal opinion, um, then you're able to leverage that, right? You apply a, a, not even a robust, but just a standard, simple metadata strategy against a componentized content approach. Mm -hmm. It's, they would be, companies would be gobsmacked at the return that they would get on that and how they would be able to save and actually be able to measure, right? Because when you know what pieces are working, so what happens is, you know, when you do AB or multivariant testing or various um, personalization testing, you can see, you know what, okay, the copy hit 90% of the time, but the image, you know, it flopped except for in 20% of the time. Okay, great. Guess what? We know the copy is good. We know the image is wrong. And so you're not throwing out the entire piece you're swapping out the pieces that don't work. Right, right, right. And is, is Headless um, just for content or do you, are you seeing that kind of, because you talked earlier on about um, digital experience platforms and obviously one choice that people have is that they can build their own from, from best of breed components rather than a big off the shelf product from say like Adobe or, or Sitecore. What, um, um, and obviously this would help with that from a content perspective, but do you, is, is headless a term being used across MarTech or is it just in oh my content? God. <laughs> so, um, I find it really interesting. I, I won't, I won't name any names. Um, <laughs> but you know, if you were to look on, you know, reviews, you know, analyst reports that mm. have them, you know, emulated in a wave or in maybe, you know, four squares, like a quadrant, yeah. um, you'll see that so many of the big names, these monolithic suites or Mm -hmm. what, you know, what they'll say is, is all in one homegrown solutions Mm -hmm. are now saying that they're headless. Well, Mm -hmm. they can act as headless. They're not a headless solution. Right. And, um, you know, anybody going out and buying Adobe because they want a headless uh, CMS and they're only Mm going to use it as a headless CMS they're wasting 40,000 out of the minimum 50 grand investment Mm. and they're creating a world of complexity. You know, they're better off to go with a story block or content stack um, because they're inexpensive Mm. and they're going to, you know, overlay fine on, on AEM or any of the other solutions. Mm. um, If you want that headless experience. Right. So, but, um, and, um, sort of coming up to time a little bit one of of the things i always find interesting about these buzzwords when they cycle around the industry and you know you and i have been around the industry a little bit (laughs) is um is something becomes really shiny and cool and and people are buying it because of the buzzword what do you is this one of those things where really organizations have got to figure out whether they need headless whether it's something 
um, if it's something from them based on their requirements? Or, or do you think that, I mean, it seems to be stable, table stakes anyway in the CMS industry at the moment. Um, but do you think it's something people need to really scratch into? It's, it's a bit like, I mean, it's a bit like cloud as well. You know, some some CMSs are more cloud than others, if, but they all say they are, right? <laughs> um, so it, is that something that organizations need to scratch into and, 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 and sort of really judge this against their requirements? Yeah, I think they need to, every organization is different. I would not mm. say this is a blanket need that every company needs. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of companies have what they what they need within their existing tech stack. Yeah. Um, and particularly if they're if they're with a larger solution that in a, in a managed service or cloud environment, they yeah. can plug into that headless component, right? Right. But it is something like any technology. You've got to do your requirements. You know, yeah. what's the need? Why do you think you need it? What do you currently have? And will that serve the purpose? That's where we always start, regardless of whether you know we'll put ourselves you know get ourselves out of a gig because we'll go mm-hmm. in. Somebody will say, "Hey, we need a new CMS." And we'll come in and we'll look and say, listen, you've got insert solution name here um, and you can do what you're looking for without spending, first of all, on us. And second of (laughs) all, um, the time and effort, um, because, you know, you're a year to 18 months to implement, to get back to where you started with a new CMS. So just use what you have and fix it. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And it wanders a little bit off headless, but is that the sort of thing? I mean, we had, um, I chatted a few weeks ago, um, um, had, had a similar conversation with, um, I've forgotten his second name, a chap called Simon that was on, on, on the show. And he talked about how organizations really have quite often should just consider and we were talking about CRM and, and Salesforce marketing ops and um, should really consider re-implementing what they already have rather than turn to somebody new. Is, is that something you've recommended to people with their content solutions? A- absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, it's, first of all, the path of least resistance, yeah. um, the least, less amount of friction. I mean, if it's yeah. completely broken, mm-hmm. fine. You know, if they've gone off the upgrade path, we worked with a, with a client um, where, you know, we went in, we did interviews and we said, listen, your stakeholders are happy with what you have. Yeah. You know, they're, they're frustrated with the lack of development and, and maturity of it, but they actually like the solution and they're like, yeah, yeah we get it, but it's broken. It was, yeah. sp- it was spaghetti code because they'd have so yeah. many hands in it. Yeah. Um, and we went through a full selection process for, so a full, you know, mm-hmm. from requirements gathering to narrowing of the needs to the, the, the shortlisting and the RFP process only yeah. for them to end up with the exact same CMS. <laughs> and and part of the reason why, it wasn't necessarily because there was a huge cost savings, yeah. but it was because it's like, you know what? We have the baseline and the path, mm. of, uh, the path to get to where they needed to go was going to be significantly simpler, even though they had to strip everything out and, and re-implement, yeah. but because yeah. they had that familiarity. So... I always, we always, always, always recommend look at what you have and, you know, the CMO, a new CMO coming in apparently is still a reason why you need Mm. to change your CMS, even though there's nothing wrong with the technology or damn or whatever, but when the CMO says, no, no, we, then that's a valid, you know, fine. Yeah, um, I think, it, and it often stems from a rebrand and a new website as well, isn't it? From oh my the CMO. gosh! And every CMO <laughs> needs a rebrand. Therefore, every CMO needs a new website. Therefore, every new, new CMO needs a CMS. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, and and I, I, I mean, I love that point about um, uh, reimplanting. And and the and the chap's name just come to me. It's Simon Daniels that I spoke to a few <laughs> weeks ago. So if he's listening, I feel terrible that I forgot his second name. Um, so um, yes, we've come up to time. Uh, okay. That that was brilliant. Thank you very much, Kathy. And um, I think it's, I mean, it's to the points we were making last time we chatted wasn't it about how the implementation is actually more important than the product so if you find yourself 100%. in that situation where where you're thinking to yourself oh my god this well-known cms can't do what i need it to do that seems ridiculous it probably is right yes yes <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah look look to yourselves not to the technology because yeah, you know yeah. what the majority of cmss and dams and whatever else out there you know the yeah. marketing is what it is and it's very creative and it's lovely and wow you know it's the panacea of, of all your woes and can cook you dinner too um <laughs> yeah but, just go see the demo yeah but it's it's you know if they say they can do it chances are it can yeah but whether it can do that for you 
is 100% dependent on your business requirements, knowing what you need today yeah. and you know where you're going tomorrow, and the team that implements it. Yeah. It's rarely yeah. the technology's fault. <laughs> Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you very much, Kathy. Oh, it's um, my pleasure. And uh, I always have a link to uh, your website in the show notes anyway, uh, because obviously I talked to Robert over a cocktail at the end of the show. Um, but uh, for when people want to spin the dial on the interwebs, where might they find you, Kathy? Uh, so our website is contentadvisory.net. Um, mm-hmm. On in the Twitter sphere, I am at Kathy with a C, McKnight, all one word. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, LinkedIn. I'm there as well. And if you Google me, apparently I come up quite often. I've been, uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of Kathy McKnight's out there, thankfully. Splendid. All right. Yeah. My, my kids think I'm famous, but it's actually that I haven't got a very popular name. <laughs> well, you know, a, to- a, a total aside, I was, um, I was looking for a, an article. I'm working with a client on an internet yeah. and I was looking for an article on something yeah. and a piece that I wrote uh, in 2005 was the top hit. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Which means that nobody's is, talking about it. <laughs> that's evergreen for you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank old. you very much, Kathy. And um, I, I think, uh, yeah, I'd love to get you back on the show next time some tech topic comes up. Um, Anytime. Thank you very much. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Cheers. Thank you, Kathy. Always a pleasure to catch up and geek out on marketing technology. I will, of course, include all the links we discussed, plus all the links to Kathy in the show notes. Let us know what you think. Right, it's that time of the week to get transported out of lockdown with a cocktail and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. It's uh, here we are, Friday night in the bar. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and really, yeah, it's it, Friday night too. Not just the magic of television. We are actually is actually Friday night for me. It it is indeed. It is indeed mm-hmm. for you. And 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 you know, yes. I mean, I'll I'll continue the uh, the suspension of disbelief here. Yes, I, we, it's Friday night for me as well. <laughs> We're somehow magically on the same time zone. Um, yeah, I just yeah. realized I ruined the whole thing, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm guessing your audience has a pretty good clear idea. That, yeah, um, of what's really going on here. Um, True. <laughs> the magic of podcasting. Yes. Uh, we have a we have, well interesting and funny enough it it, it 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 segues nicely into our cocktail this week. Um, you know, I don't know how much you've been paying attention um, mm. since we've gotten through the 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 biggest challenge that uh, our little country here had um, mm. has since uh, shuffled off to uh, Florida. Mm. Um, which, and which, which gives you another reason to go. <laughs> That's yeah, or or to avoid it, yes, uh, which is my which is my want. Um, but we have, you know, we're starting to now finally deal with this huge thing that was underreported here, which was this huge uh, cyber attack that we had um, at the end of last year. So my wow. drink, um, because yep. they're starting to deal with it here, and and it's just mm-hmm. it's fascinating to follow. I've been following along the story here, and I'm calling it the hack. Um, nice. uh, this this little drink. Um, it's yeah. my favorite Russian vodka because, of course, how could you not? Um, and uh, Apologies it mixed to any with Russian. that's right. Well, no, I mean I'm sure they're you know, as my as my wife said, most of the Russians are like we didn't do it, but if we wanted to, we certainly could. Um, <laughs> like that's almost as good as your Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't do Sean. Well, Sean Connery doing a Russian accent is probably the worst thing of all. Um, in any event, it's Russian vodka, adding a little bit of ginger beer to that, uh, some lime juice, and a little bit of a splash of citrus oil, and it's just a lovely, lovely cocktail for, uh, for nice. a winter. What inspired you to call that the hack? Because hacks are normally like quick, dirty things, and so uh, that sounds like a very sophisticated drink to me. Uh, you know, it's not that sophisticated. It's it's simply just throwing a little bit of ginger beer in there, some lime juice, and uh-huh. yes, citrus oil makes it, I guess, a little fancy, but, but yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's basically just a lot of vodka, is what it is. I think I think yeah. f- fancy is a relative term with uh, with us Indeed. two now two drinks. Indeed. Anyway, I'll, um, I'm going to stick some ice in a glass. I'm assuming we started off with some ice, right? I did indeed. Yeah, jolly good. And um, I um, don't have Russian vodka on my desk. I do have some uh, some English Bombay Sapphire gin, though. That, yes, that's that is the that is the very <laughs> English version of Russian vodka. Is what that is. Is yes, and I should pop a little slug in here. Did you say lots? Did you? Uh, I did. No, Ooh, that's yes, good, good slug there of uh, of of. Um, of, of, of English gin and and yes. what was else we put in there ginger beer uh, ginger beer ginger is ale. exactly right yes and yes. and what I have found is that if you have proper ginger beer which is probably yeah. easier to find there in the UK than yes. it is even here in the US um, yes. you can also substitute uh, ginger ale here as well trying good well I'm going to, I, what I have here is some tonic so I'm going to I'm going to throw some tonic in. It's going to be a flat, that tonic. Anyway, I'm going to stick some tonic in. <laughs> yes, all right, fine. And I'll give this a taste. Oh, that's a hack. That's for sure. There you go. That's there jolly go. good. That'll certainly, uh, that'll certainly sort me out. What's, um, uh, and uh, I was supposed to say, what did you call that again, Robert? How many times have we done this? And I can't even remember what the script is. And what do you call that drink, Robert? <laughs> I call it the hack, as you That's... just said. And <laughs> that was splendid. I yes. could drink one of these every single week. Thank you very much, Robert. And while we're, while we're um, recovering from this cyber-inspired drink, whereabouts are we going to be doing that? Well, I think we should go punish ourselves, and um, mm-hmm. uh, we should go uh, to Moscow. Um, and oh. the reason I say punishing, because Moscow is an absolutely spectacularly beautiful city. Yeah. Um, but um, right now, it is <laughs> really, really cold there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I think uh, I, I, it feels like we should, we should go there to atone for something. I'm not sure what we yes. should be atoning for, but we should go there yes. to atone and, and, and suffer the cold uh, and sit um, and, uh, and drink these in Moscow and... and and have and you know, as the Russians do, have serious conversation, right? You know, yes, there you go. Yes, absolutely. And 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 what better way than with with a nice strong vodka as well? Exactly. Um, and, yeah. And, and on this show, um, I'll I'll be talking to somebody who's in, in almost a frigid place by the sound of things. But your colleague Kathy McKnight, who is, ah, who is who is up there in the freezing cold Canada. So I don't know how that if that's the same as Moscow, but. Uh, it sounds terribly <laughs> yeah. cold, and and as we uh, as we're all wrapped up and bundled up, and uh, surely we found a nice warm place to drink this vodka. Or are we, are we sitting out on the streets and experiencing? I have no idea. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea where we're where we're finding ourselves. We're trying to find somewhere safe and warm, uh, and not you know, and 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 rationalize why we're actually sending ourselves to Moscow in the middle of February. Yes, I, I, I fear where we'd end up actually with this kind of chat, Robert. But uh, for, for, for <laughs> yeah. and it might not be that warm. But um, so, and, and what we'll be chatting about this week once we've got over our cold is. Well, uh, you know, so have you uh, have you joined? Uh, uh, and in fact, I know the answer to this, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm again suspension of disbelief here for our wonderful <laughs> podcast audience. Have you uh, have you joined and engaged with this wonderful app called the Clubhouse yet? I am, I am, yes, I am now on the clubhouse. Um, I'm struggling a little with the clubhouse, um, yeah. but yes, I am, I am on the clubhouse. Yes, I, I, that seems to be the the general uh, sentiment that I'm hearing, yes. which is, yeah, I'm there and I'm intrigued, but I really yes. don't know what the hell to do just yet. Um, yes. Which of course is common with 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 new channels and yeah. new uh, new new technologies and all of that, and it'll find its way, I'm sure. But yeah. what it got me thinking about was, um, you know, once again, media planning, um, yeah. and you know, and it's top of mind for me because I've been uh, doing some writing on it, yeah. how it's changed. Um, and the thing that it got me thinking about was, you know, when it comes to media planning. You know, when I was, you know, a young marketer, uh, mm. pre-digital, and we used to think about media planning, our yeah. goal, and we used to say this out loud, was we were chasing audiences, right? We were chasing, mm. 
we were chasing our audiences and a al- and, and what we would say is aligning ourselves with cool, right? Yeah. Uh, in other words, yes, you were looking at whatever print, radio, television, and billboards, uh, outdoor, we would call it, yeah. um, you know, channels we might put our content on in order to get the attention of an audience. And we were chasing them where they were aggregating, right? So if they yeah. were on television, we would go to a television ad. If they were at uh, events, we would sponsor an event. If they were aggregating on radio, we would, you know, sponsor a radio mm-hmm. show. And But the secondary thing was we were always chasing cool as well, mm-hmm. which was we would align ourselves. You know, one of the reasons that you would place an ad in the New York Times, yes, was because it had a high percentage of your audience as readers, but it was also because you got this drafting, you know, sort of bit with yeah. being associated with the New York Times brand, right? Yeah. Same thing with the reason that we would go and have Michael Jordan sponsor our, you know, uh, you know, our and become our spokesperson, or yeah. same reason we would advertise on uh, the television show Friends or the NFL or you know whatever it happened to be. Um, that was part of it as well. And today, media planning is different because of the fragmentation and all these mm. new things. Uh, we can't chase audiences any longer. You you just simply can't do it. They're too fragmented, and quite frankly, it's not scalable for your business. And I don't care how big you are, right? Because if you're in the business of chasing audiences, one of the things you're doing is sort of condemning yourself to always being on that particular channel no matter how small the audience is and what i mean by that is you know you go set up a facebook page and a certain number of your audience gets everything they need from you on that facebook page well then you're there come hell or high water right you yeah you know, they've yeah. come to depend on you there and so yeah. when channel number two you know when tiktok comes and clubhouse yeah. comes and instagram yeah. comes and pinterest yeah. comes and the new youtube channel comes and whatever else comes after that you're constantly trying to be everywhere and you simply yeah. can't and yeah. so what but- you have to realize is that in today's world we have to be, you know, this is not just an argument for content marketing, but it's an argument yeah. for owned media full stop is in many ways, we have to become the media, the light that, you know, the moths are attracted to and use those audiences to start to pull them to our light um, right. as best we can. Because today, you know, as the as the saying goes in working you know in, in in media planning working media we have to understand that our owned media can be working media too and right. that's you know that's what it's got me thinking about with this constantly chasing the new you know the new platforms yeah yeah, yeah. and and that that's because your 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 point about lack of ability to focus on a, on these channels is it's a completely obvious thing to say is 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 the same thing with the audience right because they're facing the same thing i was i was gonna, actually going to ask you when you when you was when you were talking just then is do you think that clubhouse has robbed some other channel of your attention like do you think that you're not spending as much time on something else because you're trying to do clubhouse for example well that's exactly right yeah you know you you, you have to right yeah you have to actually uh you know you have to focus, right? You, yeah. I mean, by default, you have to spend your time on something. Yeah. And you know the, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I, I, one of the things I often point out is I say, tell me about Apple's Twitter strategy. Yeah. And you think your immediate gut reaction is, oh my gosh, they're all over it. They, you know, they're, they, yeah, they've yeah. been, they haven't tweeted once. They have a wow. Twitter profile. But they have zero tweets and they just don't do it because they're not chasing their audience there. So they've just um, decided to reserve their own name and and um, and have the confidence not to chase the audience there, I guess. That's if right. You've got Apple's that's exactly brand right. They've reserved yeah. the name and they have the name yeah. and, and they've yeah. tweeted exactly zero times. Um, right. And, you know, and and they've you know, they, they, they don't reply. It's not like they service their customers there and, you know, yeah. hear about what's going on, you know, and, and oh, my, yeah. my Macintosh machine's bad at Apple. Mm. Help me. They don't mm. care. You're not there. 
right? right. And, and so they're not chasing their audience there. So what by default, they're saying, find us elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're, they, they've taken the stance of saying, we can't be everywhere. And they're Apple, and they can't yeah, be yeah. everywhere. And so yeah. we need to learn that lesson as well, as we don't have to be everywhere. We, don't, we just certainly, we can't be, and we don't have yeah. to be. That takes some discipline. I mean, and for you as a as a person that does have a personal brand worth um, worth something, <laughs> um, it must be incredibly difficult for you as a person. But also, uh, that takes some discipline for for brands, doesn't it? Because it's it's hard almost not to, isn't it? No. Because <laughs> I was thinking, like, I've got this nice invite to, to Clubhouse. Therefore, I should invest some time in Clubhouse. Well, and I wondered I mean, whether so, it's the flip side from a marketer's perspective is the same. This yes. new thing's coming along. I need to now pay that some attention, and it takes it, some discipline to say maybe I don't have to. Yeah, well, here's the, here's what I would say to that, <laughs> which is I, I look at it the same way I look at vegetables that I have to eat. <laughs> I, I, I will try it. Yes. Um, I will try anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and given what I do for a living, it's yes. only responsible for me to try it, to see, yes. you know, to try yeah. it out. So I tried yeah. Snapchat um, and found it completely useless for me. Yeah. Um, and said, I don't, you know, and it's got big. It got, yeah. arguably got big. And TikTok, yeah. same thing, right? Yeah. I get TikTok. I understand it. Yeah. I understand why young people really dig it. I find zero use in it. And there's, so there's no reason, even though there are people who are putting up B2B and marketing Mm -hmm. content on TikTok, there's no reason for me to be there. There's no reason for me to chase my audience there, you know, and the same goes for so many other platforms. And, you know, so for example, Facebook, I use Facebook for absolutely zero business. Yeah, you know, there's no. I, I do. And that's not the right thing to do, in my opinion. For for me, yeah. I, I've got rules. Like link, LinkedIn is for people that I would have a beer with from a from a uh, professionally that I've met professionally. Um, Facebook is for anybody I would have a beer with, and then Twitter is just like, well, whatever. I don't, <laughs> there are no rules. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way I look at it is 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 Facebook is for friends only. Yep. You know, yeah. friends and family, okay. and 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 yep. colleagues. You know, yeah. and people it, that I. It's yeah. Yeah, people I want to see their college pictures yeah. and the you know yeah. and their food and their you know their yeah. travel and their kids and yeah. their you know and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn to me is my business network, and I'm all over yeah. like you know I'm promoting yeah. myself, and there's all sorts of yeah. stuff going on on LinkedIn on business wise. And then on Twitter, Twitter to me is the subway station where I'm busking, right? You know, so <laughs> it's it's yeah. I, you know I, I look at it as a platform where it's all about just sort of out there sort of singing my song and hopefully somebody throws a dime in the jar yeah yeah i um i think i might i don't know if i've mentioned to you but one time my my youngest daughter describes my social media strategy as shouting into the void so you're just shouting into the void then daddy yeah that's pretty much it (laughs) yeah yeah well yeah i mean as you used to say hovering over the back button right Yeah, Yeah. yeah 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 Yeah, well, um, and so, so what, what's your advice then to marketers? How do they choose? And, and when you're talking to your clients, how do they choose? You know, something new comes along. I mean, people like me and you need to dip out, toe in the water and, and give, give it a go so that we can advise people on it. But what do you, what, what are you recommending to your brands about how they, how they have that discipline? Well, it's the, you know, and so this is what I've been writing about, which is, is that mm-hmm. media planning as a science as you know as a as a methodology that hasn't changed in the last um you know 100 years or you know really since mass media has come along right it's it's understanding the you know the basically our reach our net reach the cost of that reach the value of conversions from that particular channel Looking at all the classic things that a media planner would look at on any channel, including our own, like mm-hmm. website, email, yeah. resource center, webinar program, all of all of it. It's all working media. Yeah. And looking at the perspective, you know, and this is where you're making business cases. There's no algorithm for this. You know, as any business person or marketing person, you're ostensibly making as much a guess as you are 
you know, about yeah. predicting the weather and testing <laughs> and iterating and learning yeah. and, and all those things and, and starting to make smarter media plans as, as a result of it. And so the, you know, my advice for, for, you know, for choosing yeah. is to say what, you know, I mean, it's, it's cliche at this point, you know, on any, yeah. on any, any business discussion, but it's just amazing how many people still don't do this is to start with a goal. What, yeah. what am I trying to accomplish? Yeah. And instead of saying, Hey, here's a cool thing that I can set a goal for yeah, yeah. rather saying, yeah. what's my goal. And then how can this thing help yeah. me achieve it? If it can yeah. help me achieve it. Yeah. And when I look at, you know, um, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to do at any time as a marketer is shorten the time between, and there's a word for it and I'm forgetting what it is right now. It comes from classic marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember the word for it, but anyway, but it's this, it's the, it's the, when you put a product up on a shelf yeah. as a marketing person, you're trying, what you're trying to do is shorten the time constantly between the time that it gets put on the shelf and the time that it gets put into the basket and purchased, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's your, you know, and there's a word for that time, and I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but basically that's your goal. So as any business, when I look at my goal and I say, what can I do to shorten the time that I'm going to put that piece of content on a shelf and by the time I'm going to achieve the goal that I'm trying to achieve? Yeah. You know, so if I look at TikTok and I say, okay, my goal is to get people to buy consulting or my, my, my goal is mm-hmm. to get people to buy my services. Mm. What, what could I put on TikTok that is actually going to shorten, keep the <laughs> shortest distance between me and my goal? And the answer for me was not much. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Other than putting up a video of me going, buy my stuff, right? Because yeah. I'm, you know, yeah. it's, it's pretty, it's, it, 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 there's not a lot that I'm yeah. going to be doing there that is going to yeah. truly both engage that audience and meet my goal so yeah my social media advisor that i referred to earlier on said no daddy (laughs) yeah (laughs) no right yeah that's right yeah that's right well there's the whole cringeworthiness too of it right you know which is like you know there you know me going on tiktok you know is is is, you know you just look at that and go "Mm, no not you man not you not you it's not your thing (laughs) <laughs> you know, I think I and, um, sit this one out, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's I mean, that's that, that they're all as usual, Robert, great points. And I'm, I'm actually because I keep referring to your podcast all the time as well. So, so you, you and Joe have a great podcast called This Old Marketing. And I think that that, that particular image I have in mind of you on TikTok needs to make it into one of your pets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, no. I can I just say. Can I just say, as Hugh Grant no. said to Julia Roberts, can I just say no to you? <laughs> well, all right then. Well, if people can't hear you betting that you're going to be on TikTok on this old marketing, where can they find you when they spin the dial into words, my friend? Well, as we talked about, you can find me mm-hmm. all over busking on uh, Twitter, <laughs> and then you can certainly find uh, more in-depth content on LinkedIn. Um, yes. I'm searchable on both of those things, but... My owned media that is working yes. very well um, yes. is uh, uh, is contentadvisory.net. That's the website where we blog and we put all sorts of wonderful things. And there's an email newsletter associated with that as well. That's splendid. And I'll include all your links, obviously, in the show notes. And uh, will I see you in the bar next week, Robert? I'm sure you will. I look forward to it, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you, Robert. Wise words about chasing the latest shiny channel. Or maybe not. And as you've heard, we're both on Clubhouse. I've only just recently joined, still finding my way around. So give me a shout if you're there, or if you'd like an invite. So that's a wrap on episode 49 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track, and driving along with us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks again to Jeff, Kathy, and Robert. I'll include all their links in the show notes. Please check them out, follow them, take a look at their work, and share it. I really appreciate their time. You can find the show notes on your favourite podcasting platform or at our brand new website for this podcast, rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. So, 
Does the world need another effing Marty podcast? Please let me know. Leave a review, subscribe, share, get in touch. We're at Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn or Twitter, or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff and I will pick a new topic and decide if it's a one-hit wonder or wonderwall. I'm joined by Leo Franks, a CMO who caught my eye with something he calls the favourability journey. I'm looking forward to again joining Robert Rose in our virtual Rockstar CMO bar. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, and I hope you'll again join us here next week at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.